friends and comrades. It's Cesar Earhart, one of your co-hosts for Third World Ballers. I have with me today two very special guests. Uh, Josh and Jawan, fortunately, couldn't uh, be here today. So I have with me two, um, or actually three people now, uh, from the Nakasek uh, organization. And uh, they are also part of the Journey to Justice Dream Riders who are traveling from border to border uh, to raise awareness for citizenship for all. So uh, if you could please just introduce yourselves and maybe give a little background as to how you came to this, uh, came to this event. Sure. Uh, my name's Glow. Uh, I'm a volunteer over at Nakasek in Chicago. So Nakasek is kind of like this this pretty large organization that has many affiliates. Uh, I happen to volunteer at the one in Chicago. That one is entitled HANA Center, but there are others in Virginia as well as uh, the greater Los Angeles area. Uh, how I came to join this? Uh, well, actually, this is all kind of new to me. Uh, I've only been volunteering for two months. <laughs> oh, so, wow. yeah, I started from just, I was a photographer at one of their events. They asked me if I wanted to join this bike tour, which I thought was absolutely insane, insane. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, after getting to know some of the folks, it took me one day to decide that I wanted to do it. So that just shows kind of the power of the community in which uh, that I'm very much honored to be a part of now. Uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. This is Steve. I work full-time as the campaigns coordinator in Nakasek's Virginia branch. Uh, I take the lead on the immigrant rights work that we do, and I've joined the Citizenship for All campaign for a few days to show support, solidarity, and, you know, let people know why uh, I'm writing and what it means to me. Okay. Interesting. And what what do you think some of those reasons are for why you're writing? For me, it's always been something centered around justice. I think there's a huge disparity in our nation between law and justice, and it's important to create a clear distinction so that we know that if someone is breaking a law, they're not necessarily committing a crime. I don't. I think it's wrong to brand people who come here without documents as criminal um, because I think the law that criminalizes them is unjust and it's not a reflection of justice. And what I want to see is, you know, our lawmakers create a set of laws that properly, um, properly align with uh, you know, our sense of justice. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, lastly, we have someone else with us. Can you please introduce yourself and uh, give a brief description of uh, who you are and, and why you decided to join up as well? Hello, my name is Alice. I work as an organizer at one of the other affiliates, Korean Resource Center in Los Angeles. Um, the reason, there are several reasons why I joined mm -hmm. this tour. One of them would be like, when else would I be biking border to border? And I get to share that as my interesting fact whenever we do introduction <laughs> in a class or whatever. It's a good uh, um, icebreaker for sure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, just tell, saying the words that you bike yeah. border to border is just a, a feat <laughs> in itself. Days. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one of the reasons. I just wanted to do something really cool. Another reason, I wanted to learn how to bike. I don't have a car, so I thought this would be a great training for me to get used to biking. Mm -hmm. Use that as, um, as a means of transportation. That's kind of empowering for me because I never um, had a car. Oh, I, I always had to ask people for a ride, but now I can get to places mm -hmm. yeah, myself. Another one, uh, most importantly, I, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to sound really, what's the word, haughty, but... I thought I felt very obligated to join because I realized how much privileges I have. Mm. Um, although I'm impacted because I'm an Asian American young woman, no one's gonna think I am impacted by immigration laws. 
because I'm fluent in both English and Korean, no one's going to think that I'm impacted and I'm far less likely to be targeted by local uh, local or federal law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to use that privilege to not only speak for myself, but speak for my parents, speak for my friends, neighbors, those who can't um, mentally or physically bike for 37 days. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to advocate for all every member of my community. And I think that that sense of... Um, acknowledging, you know, especially privilege, uh, is something that maybe our generation has seemed to forgotten a lot of times because we take those privileges for granted so much that until we are affected physically or materially, that's the only way that we decide getting involved is necessary. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's so interesting that you, y'all chose this as your avenue to kind of because I was talking to Glow earlier, it's it almost seems like a, a rehumanization of morality, you know, because as Americans we don't really have what I think is a moral conscience at this time because we haven't really talked about morality as it as it's defined by us, mm-hmm. you know? And I think this this just shows everybody it puts a a face on it, like I was saying. It it, it allows it to be empathized a movement like this and i think it speaks volumes it's it's very very uh interesting i mean i've never met a group of people who who've decided to do this before are you the first ones to do something like this or do you know about anything like that? like if you're the first ones to do border to border cycling kind of deal or for for a specific cause at of course i think uh, so yeah well Jongu is the campaign director at Nagasak. Uh-huh. And so he has experience riding. I think he, he did a solo trip, right? From it was like somewhere in DC. It was like uh, cross country. Yeah, it, it wasn't exactly cross country, but he showed me a map a while ago of where he went and I mean to go alone that distance, it was like half the country at least, right? Yeah. Wow. And I mean, he showed me all the places that he stayed, and he didn't make an itinerary. He just kind of went and spoke with people, and then they invited him into his house, like, in the South, you know? Dang. That's, that's, uh, that's bold. <laughs> right. That's an incredible... I think he's a bold person. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Um, I mean, I think you guys are... All of you are, are very bold in, in um, just your statement that you're making. I mean... The fact that someone here in Visalia, Central Valley, out of all places, recognized you from a news uh, article and then decided to donate is just incredible. Because that's I would never hear about something like that if you weren't here. You know, like there's there's no one taking that initiative to actually um, not only hold people accountable for certain things, but also to to really donate and give their time to someone, their attention. And I mean, that's a, that's another facet of this that I think your, the organization, um, is, is promoting, you know, cause I was saying earlier, it's interesting that when we talk about DACA, uh, recipients, we usually talk about it as it relates to like Latinx, mm-hmm. uh, individuals, but we, for, and I, and I don't want to, frame that conversation around just one group because I know so many other people are affected, those who are asylum seekers, those who are uh, temporary protected statuses. So I I guess my next question would be, what do you see as, what, what does citizenship for all mean to you? Well, yeah, as you brought up, I don't think it's just 11.2 million undocumented folks. It's not just for the inter-country adoptees, of which there are over 35,000. It's not just for TPS holders or asylum seekers or refugees. I mean, the idea of citizenship goes beyond the scope of just a piece of paper, right? It, it questions what it means truly to be a citizen. And I think for myself and for the organization, if I may speak for it, um, it's this idea of human rights for all. And that's what we believe citizenship to be. And so we think of it as this, as this overarching um, set of <laughs> beliefs. It's not just a pathway to citizenship, but it's 
questioning the very idea of citizenship. Uh, I think we believe it to be, you know, access to healthcare for all, uh, education for all, housing for all, clean water for all, justice for all. Mm-hmm. I, I think we discussed this a little earlier, but, you know, those are kind of like the main pillars for a society and how can one possibly begin to live a fulfilling life if all we're doing is kind of scrounging for scraps, you know, mm-hmm. trying to merely survive, you know, how can one live a fulfilling life without those things? Yeah. I guess citizenship for me means something along the lines of participation in society. And therefore when a group of people, a small group of people have a say in who gets to have citizenship and who doesn't have to, who doesn't get to have citizenship, they're effectively monopolizing, you know, the power to control who is allowed to participate in society or not. And Mm -hmm. that only perpetuates the power dynamic that's already in place. And citizenship for all, for me, means a more democratic society um, to have the input and votes of various people people who want to participate in uh, the creation or, or just in the evolution of America. That's a good point. So on this right, we're not just biking, but we are trying to come up with our own bill to introduce the idea of citizenship for all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it affects us in various aspects of our lives, like education, healthcare. Um, basic human rights, uh, criminal justice, what every aspect. And when we try to write this bill, we we had just too much. Mm-hmm. We had people writing about um, free free college for all. Mm-hmm. People writing about basic universal health care for all. People writing about um, you know rights to clean water mm-hmm. to survive survive or something. What else? All the other basic human rights. So. At first, personally, I came into this campaign thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to advocate for undocumented immigrant community. But the more I write and the more I'm physically and mentally challenged, I question myself, what is this? What is citizenship for all that I am going through, like 5,000 feet elevation uphill, <laughs> riding 80 miles a day? Hmm. It makes me qu- makes me think it's, uh, like you said, it's a very humanizing and it's, it's a very, it's a revolutionary campaign, mm-hmm. but I want, I want people to know this is not, this shouldn't be radical, you know. Mm-hmm. We're talking about basic human rights. Yeah. You shouldn't be questioning why, why citizenship for all, why education for all. It's all basic human rights. People have rights to pursue education if they want to. People have rights to go see a doctor if they're hurt. People have rights to vote if they want to participate in the society. It's all basic stuff that. I'm honestly getting tired of answering, you know, when someone's asking me, why do we need citizenship for all? Hmm. So, yeah, we're thinking a lot along this ride. I, th- I think that's interesting that you guys have, or y'all, I'm sorry, I, the, the pronoun <laughs> thing is like, especially when I'm so used to speaking for right. so long, it's, it, I get sidetracked about it, but um, yes. Y'all have a, a a message that's very, very broad. And I think that's interesting because, like you said, you're taking on a lot, you know, when when you start to really analyze how much is actually linked to just one aspect that is called citizenship, you know. And it does really break down these ideas of, like, what is it to be a, an American then? What kind of... American ideals do we have that we're supposed to live up to in order to be assimilated into a culture that looks at us as as other, you know? And I I guess what are your experiences as being um, Korean Americans? I'm not sure if, if Steve, are you Korean as well? Yeah. So as Korean Americans, I know we talked about earlier about this kind of duality that we have to live in constantly. Do you feel like that duality um, shapes your future in a sense in terms of what you're able to achieve and what you're not able to achieve? Because I know it can't, it, it's a hindrance for sure, but it's also a, a, a source of strength that we have as individuals because 
we have more of an identity than those who claim to be Americans and, and have an American identity. So I guess what, what to you as Korean Americans have you faced with your identity? Um, to address that other question, though, whether it's like a barrier mm. or whether it, you know, or a strength. About it, yeah. Um, the, the answer is no. Uh, I think barriers for Korean Americans, especially people in our situation, um, we face two challenges. One is being undocumented, a severe lack of resources, a restriction to financial resources, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Uh, two is there is an expectation sometimes when you grow up in you know being Korean, Korean American, because of because there's this insane like idea, this culture of success that we're supposed to live up to, mm -hmm. which can put a lot of pressure on on people. But I I don't think there are barriers in the sense that they stop they stop me from doing anything. I think I've out-competed plenty of mm -hmm. uh, people who were in much uh, better places than me, people who, you know, had had the resources, resources that I didn't. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not sure what being Korean-American has to do with that, but in terms of the challenges that I faced growing up, I've been able to overcome them. So in my opinion, I don't think there is such thing as just American. So I'm Korean American. Um, I am uh, technically Mexican American. Mexican American, yeah. uh, Latinx. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, all all of it though. Right. I mean, because what what I mean to say is that we're such a diverse mm -hmm. uh, America that to try and pin one identity on what it means to be American is right. just a uh, it's it. It doesn't. It doesn't hold water because it's not a valid argument. I think it just justifies the people who don't want um, citizenship for all or, or open borders. It justifies their excuse to say no. They're the other. They're not like me because I'm an American and they don't have the same kind of morals as I do or identity as I do. Mm. But I'm trying to say like, well, what is that? What is that to be American? Because to me. Being Mexican-American is being American. Being Korean-American is being American, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I want to get your perspective on, on that idea of what it means to be Korean-American. Like, if the, mm -hmm. I, I understand from, from Steve's perspective that, yeah, you've been able to break down those barriers, but, I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who haven't been able to. Like, they are very hindered by those barriers, unfortunately, because that kind of that kind of issue of, of looking at people as other or not as an American is embedded in our, it's so systemic, I think, and it's kind of buried in us. So I, I mean, are, I mean, so are there challenges that, that you have faced as Korean Americans then because of that? Cause I know there are, you know, cause what person of color hasn't faced those kinds of challenges? Right. Well, maybe to preface, um, I mean, it's, I think it's more than just a duality of identities. Um, for example, I identify as male. Um, I think also as just a general person of color. I also came here for economic purposes mm -hmm. uh, initially, but you know, people from more disparaged countries or war ravaged countries you know, come because of absolute necessity but that's just in my particular context. It's not to say that some people deserve to be here more than others that immigrate here in that respect. Uh, I think if you wish to move somewhere to form a better life, I personally believe you ought to have the right to do so. But I guess with respect to identity and those challenges that come with it, I, I'd have to agree with Steve that it has less to do with being Korean American and more to do with the fact that being undocumented means that I don't have access to affordable health care because I can't even pay into any system. Uh, I don't have Social Security. I can't really start a decent savings. Uh, like, there's no real security net for me. If I fail, then 
I may as well just die because there's no way I'd be able to sustain any debts that I accrue because there's no way to make money. You know, mm -hmm. like I can't get a quote unquote real job. You know, I can't get a salary. I can't uh, seek public services or precisely certain social services. Right. Yeah. And especially now within the Trump administration, people, as you were saying, uh, you go to uh, the courthouses. Yes. Uh, to be a to witness. monitor. To, yeah. Yes. I mean, just earlier this week, we were informed of a person that was detained by ICE within a courthouse. Mm -hmm. You know, the judge had no idea what to do because this is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. The so-called, like, safe places that they're not supposed to inhabit. They're, right. They are abusing right. that, of course. Right. Yes. I mean, there are less and less safe spaces. I mean, places that I never even imagined could be a place of of danger, you know, mm -hmm. a, a courthouse which is a supposed <laughs> place of justice where justice occurs, you mm -hmm. know, this, that is just a load of shit, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I'd say being undocumented uh, is has affected my life more than anything, Okay, for sure. I think I'm starting to, to see w what you mean in terms of that, because I guess maybe... Maybe I'm I'm blinded by the that fact that it that I'm looking through it as an identity lens, where in reality it's much more a material lens, and it's something that because your material necessities still reflect on a person who might not be Korean American, because it it involves everyone, because like you said, these are just basic necessities that we're talking about that we shouldn't even be having to have a discussion about these it should already be implemented. So it's not so much about being Korean American that's that's been affected, like you said. It's the fact that you're undocumented and those certain resources that should be accounted for yourself haven't been accounted for. So I think I get what, what you mean in, uh, in that regard. Um, so I just wanted to, mm -hmm. to put that out there. Well, I just want to point out that you said you're, you came here for economic purposes. I just want to point out that the U.S. has destabilized South Korea by starting a war for the purpose of fighting communism, and then they ended the war, like, however they wanted. So they start the war in South Korea, and they ended it. They destabilized my, uh, our home country. So that's why we're here, because mm -hmm. you t took away all the resources, and you put our people through a war-torn um, period. That's why we're here, if mm -hmm. you ask me why we're here. And... Like you said earlier, if people people read about us, they learn about us through through the TV or through laptop, through reading newspapers, through not through, they learn about us learn about us through words, and you know they never get to meet us. And here there are other sides of my life than being undocumented or breaking the law, crossing the border, or whatever. So I think that's why it's so important that we meet up with different communities, show them there is no such thing as being um, more American than others. Mm -hmm. We're all American. We're all human beings. And I'm here, to, I'm here biking 37 days to show you in person what an undocumented person who's mm -hmm. supposedly less American than others look like so that you realize you're thinking wrong. Mm -hmm. everyone's, everyone's just as American as any other people. I think that's the whole purpose, one of the biggest purposes of our campaign. It's also kind of... It's kind of sad, too, because it, it's disheartening to know that, that people such as ourselves have to go through such lengths and such feats just to acknowledge one simple fact that, yeah, I'm a human being and mm -hmm. I deserve the same rights as someone else. And we have to constantly make that explicitly clear to people because it just seems to go right over their heads. Or like I said, if it doesn't affect them materially or physically, then yeah. it's, it doesn't, it, there's no import of it to them. Mm -hmm. And you do bring up the great point about, yes, the U S has been responsible for much of the so-called immigration crisis that we are having right now for the fact that it keeps going and invading other countries, destabilizing their uh, their communities, establishing military juntas or coups, and then wrecking, wrecking the people, causing a, a, a historical trauma 
that will, you know, that will never be healed. And then they have the gall to go out there and act as if they never created this situation. So this kind of like historical amnesia is, is crucial because we need to put a historical context on what citizenship for all means. Um, so the last, I mean, you, you guys, you all wrote from, you started in um, Seattle, correct? How has it been writing down through the, the various communities that you've seen? Mm. What's, what's the differences? What are the similarities maybe from your hometowns that you maybe have seen? And what are like the highlights so far from this trip that, that you've taken dear to you, you know, to yourselves? Well, insofar as maybe population figure goes, I'd say Oregon is one of the whitest looking places I've ever ridden through in my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, we were straight up like the only non-white people for like days <laughs> and days and days. Um, I mean, outside of Portland and maybe Eugene, yeah, Oregon was pretty ethnocentric. Mm. Um as well as veering very red okay. and right, politically aligning. They just had their... Were you there when they had their um, rally recently? We oh, were, yeah, you were arriving in <laughs> Portland when they... When they did that, the Patriot Prayer? Literally rolling into Portland yeah. as that was happening. Wow, what a greeting. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I yeah. mean, yeah. How, did that, how did that feel, seeing that? Like, riding into... I mean, because the West Coast is, you know, looked at in the country's eyes as being a so-called progressive sort of area. W what did you think when, when you arrived to see something like that? A bunch of, you know, basement dwellers basically coming out dressing like Ninja Turtles, exclaiming that, you know, white nationalism is the best thing there is. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of things to feel... I think for me personally, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't want to say eye-opening because I know those sort of views are true because look at who is president now. Exactly. Yeah. And I think people feel more empowered to share these views that they've held privately for so long. So if anything, I'm glad that they're coming out so I know who the hell they are. And who not to trust. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Who not to interact. I mean, like, we can't even hold a dialogue with these people, you know, because we feel directly unsafe and mm -hmm. endangered by their presence. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's interesting because in, even in that situation, like, the cops were basically protecting the, you know, patriot prayer, or not even gentlemen, assholes, mm -hmm. and, you know, facing the counter-protesters and ended up rushing the counter-protesters and breaking them up as if they were the ones inciting violence. And, um, I mean, it's, it's despicable to me. I hate seeing it, but like you're saying, it's, it's so, um, revealing as to this, this darker side of America that everyone thinks has gone away or has never been around and, it's always been under the surface. It's just now we have someone who emboldens everybody to just blatantly go out there and, and express it. Well, I mean, this country was founded on that, on, on that principle, yeah, right? Yeah. We have a you know? very, very bloody racist history. Right. And we've never come to terms with that in, in some regards. Well, I mean, we think about the education system and when you were talking about what it meant to be American, uh, the way I thought of it was what it means to be American is to be wholly ignorant of history and reality. <laughs> yes. And I can't really blame those individuals to a degree because you don't learn real history until you get to the college level. Mm -hmm. And not everyone goes to college nor takes the same history courses I did, for example. Not to say that I'm wholly versed in history, but, you know, people, when they talk about the civil rights, for example... In, in high school or middle school, they make it an issue of states' rights when in reality it was about states wishing to enslave mm -hmm. people based on race. Mm -hmm. You know, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's a propaganda machine 
that's creating an entire population of misinformed people that are easy to push around. That's how I see it, personally. What about yourself riding into uh, Oregon and seeing the um, these neo-Nazis? I heard that you were organizing to bring people to um, city council meetings mm-hmm. who were trying to pass a resolution to opt out of SB 54. Yes, this was um, um, maybe a month ago or so, or two months ago, Right. Um, for the Board of Supervisors meeting, mm-hmm. yes. So, same shit happened... Uh, no, yeah, go yeah, Same ahead. shit happened in Orange County. We yes. were the first one to come... Our Board of Supervisors were the first one to go against it. Los, Los Alamitos, the city's the first one to go against it. And a bunch of other racist um, city councils came up to, um, came out to, you know, pass a resolution to opt out of SB 54, which is a sanctuary law, which is not perfect at all. No. To protect undocumented immigrants from, like, simply get, getting pulled away for, like, stopping 30 seconds late. Or, I don't know, like, some, it doesn't even protect... Um, people who are convicted of serious crimes. It's just like normal, like normal things you can go through. Like let's say you go, you drive fifty-five miles per hour in a fifty mile per hour zone, mm-hmm. and you get pulled over, and then the police is like racist as asshole, and then he could te- he could turn them over if we don't have SB fifty-four. Mm-hmm. So I was organizing um, that in Orange County too, and then that was my first time having white supremacists and neo-Nazis calling me a legal criminal, whatever name they want to call yes. me. God. So when I encountered the neo-Nazis in Portland, I was like, oh my God, these motherfuckers are here too. They're everywhere. All these cockroaches. They were, they were, I mean, like you said, we were founded on white supremacy. So they were always there like cockroaches, but now they're coming out because I don't know, because the king cockroach is the person <laughs> right now. <laughs> So I was just like, wow, these poor people, like, what can, what, I don't know, what, what in their lives is making them go through so much struggle that they want to find someone to blame all their struggles? It's, it's sad, honestly, because they're bamboozled. They're absolutely dragooned into thinking that their enemy is this so-called other. When yeah. in reality, no, it's the corporations. Mm-hmm. It's a capitalist elitist class that is in power and that has been in power and only seeks uh, a bottom profit. That's it. And yeah. we are all at the mercy of that. And until, because me and uh, Glow were talking earlier about class consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's, we've seemed to for, forgotten class consciousness, you know? And yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> these guys are just they're ridiculous like mm. I, I can only laugh at them yeah. that's the only thing I can do because yeah. the times we live in are so surreal now they're, they've become irony has kind of left the door and now we're just walking around with these things like they're normal you know and you know by all means they are normal this is a very American thing you know because as we've been talking about America's history is all of this put yeah. together in yeah. one little neat Confederate flag bow? Yeah, um, that was. I mean, the hearing of Alice's encounter uh, is really heartbreaking because it just shows the reality that we're faced with. And, but it's also illuminating because it shows what we're up against, and now we know. Uh, like I've, I for example, had my own first encounter in. Somewhere in Oregon, uh, we were setting up for lunch, and this gentleman just uh, just comes up to me, and we had our campaign slogan, like, we got magnets on our cars, uh-huh. and it says, Citizenship for All, Journey to Justice, and so this guy, you know, just like, I suppose, any other inquisitive person, just asked, oh, what's this all about? What's Citizenship for All? And so I started explaining it to him, and then he just abruptly cuts me off, and he goes... Oh, so you want citizenship for all the Mexicans and the Chinese people to come in here and take all of our yeah. stuff? Yes, yes. That's, that's the what first we thing mean. you think. Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly that's what we're exactly. gonna do. Yes, promote that. I just, uh, I wasn't sure what he was getting at, but then he started talking about how his grandfather didn't make sacrifices for people to just come in here illegally and steal from Americans. <coughs> 
do people not realize <laughs> that back in the day that this gentleman is probably talking about, people would literally walk into the country. It right. was the easiest right. fucking process. Right. Now, you, you, you barely have a chance of making it across the border, you know? And not only that, try seeking citizenship if you're going to try and do that. Yeah. It's completely, not only is it completely impossible, but it's, it's absolutely difficult to achieve. For mm-hmm. instance, I mean, me and my wife are going mm-hmm. through this, uh, trying to get her citizenship. And we've been doing it for years, and, it, and it co- it's been costing us tons of money. It costs tons of time. There is no you know, good way to do this, and it sucks that the way that people have said to do that they think makes sense is also the most time-consuming and also the most um, vigorous because mm. they think that they need to strengthen their so-called uh, immigration policies or mm. like uh, make it more. I forget what the word that Trump and his administration was using, but it was like a very like weird adjective to describe it. It's just like a robust sort of agenda. I don't know, robust immigration policy. I don't know, but it's it's just like. Uh, to verify if a person who's coming in is who they say they are based mm-hmm. on the merit that they give them, not mm-hmm. based on like a humanistic merit, you know, it's based on this sort of American merit, you know, what, or do you look American? Do you act American? No, you're not American, you know, it's fucking dumb. But, uh, Let's move on to some bright things about this. Um, you, we were talking about how you you wrote through Oregon and stuff. What else? What what other beautiful things or beautiful right, people have beautiful you met? Um, yeah, let's let's move on to some beauty. I have one quick one. Um, we're building a community here. We're not we're not only biking to raise awareness, but we're building a really strong community who's committed to lead the fight. That's gonna take a while, unfortunately. And what I really enjoyed seeing is people, not, they focus on everything. It's not just immigration. We focus on immigration, sexism, racism, um, genderism, and all the other aspects of social justice. When we talk about it, we try to create safe space. Like you saw, we try to use the more inclusive terms like y'all instead yes. of guys. Uh, the voting. Uh-huh. The voting. Very democratic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, so I think... That's the most beautiful beautiful thing I've witnessed so far, which is us trying to create a safe space for everyone and develop a new community that's going to lead the next, I don't know, several decades of this fight for citizenship for all. Awesome. Oh, I only joined, like, a couple of days ago. <laughs> so, like, scenery-wise... Honestly, not much. <laughs> not much stuff. I saw some cows. What about people? Any? Um, you got y'all were in Fresno yesterday. Uh, how was that? How was that experience over there? Oh, it was good. I guess you know something I've noticed while I've been keeping up like back home uh-huh. on the journey, and also from what I've seen in my short time here. What I find quite amazing is uh, the amount of people that help you along the way. Mm. Just random people, you know. Uh, you know, when I think when places like churches, you know, host us, very grateful, obviously. But it's like they have these big spaces that, you know, where no one's in mm-hmm. uh, at certain times of the week or day. And then there are, I think, people like you who are just like, who mm-hmm. really like amaze me because like this is like your home <laughs> like where you live yeah you're in my they're currently in my room listeners uh it's a very intimate session so <laughs> yeah so i think that's mm. i think that's pretty cool like people some people like you know talk big about supporting the cause and then there are people who just like really go out of their way to to honestly like do what they can mm-hmm. to help uh, one quick thing when i said creating a community i i'm including you Oh, thank and you including, very much. Yeah, Karina and everyone we met throughout the journey. Awesome. <laughs> we have a... Uh, oh, are you, are you sure? It's up to you if you want to get on. All right. Hello, my name is Bo. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a hard question because it's, mm-hmm. it's been 27 days of 
surreal experience experiences is it's crazy like there's so much that I'm very like good bad struggling a lot of things happening but um it's been amazing on so many levels like folks have said you know on the support level it's been amazing connecting with different folks in different cities and just all this kindness all this love uh, for people to just see the vision see like it's just about humanity at the very core and the essence of it and everybody's doing pretty similar work at the foundation fundamental aspect of it but just different you know uh issues or maybe community or struggle that we are familiar to because of upbringing or any relationship to it mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see all of that come together and i mean the scenery has been it's been eye-opening this has been like um we just we were at the redwoods, and I would I never imagined camping in the redwoods. And it's just was that your first time seeing those redwoods or like the Pacific redwoods and stuff? It wasn't, but it was at that specific location. Oh, okay. Like I, I've seen like redwoods maybe somewhere else before. Uh huh. But camping, they're still immaculate though. It is just enormous beings, ancient too. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. But yeah, it's just. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's, continue. It's been amazing. It's been amazing on the on the scenery, and I think it, it gives you a touch of reality to how people live. I think that's what's so interesting. Riding through towns, you know, you can kind of see what kind of story they have, what kind of vibe they are. You know, it's a college town. If it's a rural area, yeah, city of like industry, and you think about for me, like I think about like the like what types of people live here sometimes you can see the economic disparity you can see who are the workers you can see migrants right you can see like this is a city of industry where like folks just come and work you know there's places and but it's interesting too because every city has um like a gas station a deli store grocery store (laughs) and then like uh, maybe some type of art and then based on each cities it's just like what kind of work that they needed there like by the coast, they might have like coast repair. Okay, I'm just going into a lot. Of no, 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 definitely. It's just, it's just, it's very interesting to see like the different lives, like farm lives, lives by the coast, and just what kind of stories kind of tells you about that. But what I really love is that a lot of places have some places uh, have like bookstores or art places, mm. and it made me think like, why is that, right? Like. Maybe, and I think about like art, like when art is created, it's created out of inspiration. Like people go out of their way to do something, to capture a moment, to take a picture, to write something, to create something, whatever, draw something, and to share that. So I was just like, oh, it's interesting. It's same with a book, right? There's not a lot of manifestation that take place. So it's like, it's always inspiration that people kind of need a hold on to. Mm-hmm. And I think tying that back to this whole trip is, is that citizenship for all is a... Um, is is an ideal that we're reaching mm-hmm. for because that's the ideal that the U.S. was found upon, and I think it is idealistic for human women to interact and to you know mm-hmm. be kind and see each other as humans, and um, I think that's what this trip kind of represents too. So like, I'm at this. It's just a lot of connections happening. Just biking, meditating on all these thoughts for what like hella hours every day we bike. It's <laughs> way too many hours. <laughs> well, that all you got time is to think, you know? So that makes sense. What What about yourself, Cliff? Um, Yeah, that idea of connection and of beauty of every town that we pass through. I mean, every night we stay in someone's space, it's because they share our views, because they understand the idea of justice, we believe. Um And it's also enlightening for us to be able to share our views and tell the nuance of the immigration story, right? Mm -hmm. Because so much of it is centered around the narrative of Latinx folks. But, I mean, there's there's us, too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, we're here, too. Exactly. Uh, And it's funny, a lot of folks had... No idea that we even existed as like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't know that Korean people were also undocumented and stuff like that. Because mm. I think it's that idea of, 
I mean, we're just not on their radar. And if just individual folks believe that, like, I mean, we have that privilege of being Korean too. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of detracting from the original idea of beauty, but it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just all snowballing towards there. Um, I'm just going to get back to the idea of beauty, but yeah, seeing people connect with our vision. I mean, there's a lot of beauty to be had, even in like the, the communities that you are saying are, are disparaged and you know, lacking fundamental resources. For instance, we're here mm -hmm. in the Central Valley and we've done an episode previously uh, talking about those specific things and how, you know, things like water, water rights, people don't have access to water, people don't have access to higher education, universal health care. Um, and I just wanted to know, like, this is my hometown, what are the sorts of uh, ailments you see in your own hometowns? I know some of you are from Chicago um, and then uh, from Michigan. Um, and so I'm just wondering, you take on a task like this because you start local, you know? You see it in your own hometowns. You see it everywhere that you grow up in. So I, I, I one, what for you was that point, that, that crucial, like, a locus point that you fixated on and where it's like, okay, I think, I think I need to do something, you know, I need, I need to do more about this. Cause like you said earlier about privileges, we live in that privileged world where we don't have to think about, um, inserting ourselves in uncomfortable situations like that. And so what for you was that in your own hometowns and your own spaces where you felt comfortable? What, what was, you know, what triggered that basically? So as an organizer, um, I was very fortunate to grow up with parents who were very transparent about all the matters that were affecting us. Uh, I knew about my immigration status um, like as, as young as like eighth grade, so I always knew. And I always talked about it with my parents as, as in like why that happened, how it happened, or what am I, what I'm going to do with my current immigration status and all that. I always discuss it openly with my parents, but I realized that that's not the case with a lot of the Asian, undocumented Asian people because, mm. well, lot, lots of different reasons, but first, uh, there's the expectations of model minority that Asians, Asian people are supposed to be quiet. Asian people are mm. supposed to be hardworking and mm -hmm. not causing trouble. Docile, yeah. yeah. So we want to, our parents who are afraid of us, you know, not fitting into the society, want us to be quiet about immigration status and they try to protect us from it. But they can't. There's, there, we, we're affected by um, our immigration status in so many aspects. And I've seen a lot of um, young API undocumented people who go through a lot of struggle or they like don't even know that there are resources and there is community available because their parents don't talk about it to them mm. and then I think they're also another thing is I think to reach that to be able to say like Steve said they succeeded as immigrants one of the expectations I believe is like becoming a U.S. citizen and I think sometimes our parents feel guilty about not being able to provide that for, our ch for their children. Mm -hmm. So they try to be qu keep quiet. And some, some parents I heard get angry at their children if they try to bring it up. But yeah, so when I saw that, when I saw that our, my, my young people from my community are struggling because they are not given proper conversation regarding their immigration status that they need in order to live in the States, that's why I was motivated to really speak up and have that conversation with them yeah and then like everything else like uh privilege as asian american person who's less, less likely to be targeted and who who has some kind of higher education background who who can understand both english and korean all these privileges too yes. that motivate me too i think that's interesting about what you're saying um that with your parents that you mm -hmm. speak openly about this because it definitely is an insecurity for a lot of other people where yeah. they're not able to talk about it because mm -hmm. that is also used as a talking point for, or like a dog whistle by the right to be, to say that, you know, 
perhaps their bad parents or something because of the fact that that they decided to leave their country or something to seek a better life or to escape war or to um you know or to to escape misogyny or 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 some sort of violence against you know femicide too like all these reasons and they can put all that blame on this individual as a parent and because of that, they can't fulfill this certain this certain void that is expected of them as so-called like American parents, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's awesome though. That's so cool that you're able to op- openly speak about that. What do you, mm-hmm. do you have you and your parents talked about why that is maybe or what they feel is their reason for being so open about it? I think well, I think. My parents are awesome. My mom is an incredible woman, and she really respects me as, a, as an individual, even when I was young. And I believe that she realized the limitations that would be put on me in regards to my immigration status. And she knew that she can't guard me or protect me from that, like, after high school, when you're going to college, going to work field. So she, she was... Um, she was very open to discuss it. Well, I, I like how you uh, mentioned they criminalize our immigrant parents and they always pit us against our own parents. Yeah, They're exactly. like, hey, you're okay, but your parents are not okay for bringing you into this country when you're young. Uh-huh. That's why it's so important that we emphasize citizenship for all, not just DACA recipients who's like 7% of the entire community mm-hmm. or dreamers which is 18% of the entire community mm-hmm. you're leaving out the rest 83% mm-hmm. who came here who are parents who are neighbors who are grandparents who came to the states for the same exact reasons as you did mm-hmm. to live a better life as a human being mm-hmm. so I think that um, that really goes back to one of the main goals in our campaigns which is we want to include every single member of our undocumented community and even more non-citizens too. Yeah, what I noticed is a lot of American folks that have been here for a few generations, I think they forget that a lot of their ancestors were persecuted as well as immigrants. (laughs) You know, like the Irish, for example, or the Chinese, or the the Italians, uh, people... I've noticed like some of my Italian friends, I would speak to them and say, do you remember how a lot of Italian folks came here and were literally vilified and killed for just being here? And then they are doing the same exact thing to another ethnic group. Mm-hmm. And they just don't see the similarity. I mean, for, for God's sakes, they both speak romance languages, you know, against <laughs> the people that they constantly vilify. Um, it's... It's ridiculous. Like we yeah. were talking about earlier, historical context. Yes. There's absolutely none of it, and mm. it's as if everybody just decided to have collective amnesia and decided, mm. you know what, this isn't going to suit our needs in the future for creating a just society. And um, I mean, I guess I want I want to move on a little bit to like, what do you what. Do you, do you guys identify politically at all? What is your, like your party preference? Is there anything that you? I mean, because I I was we were having this conversation earlier as well, and I think it's important to to talk about those things openly because there is such a feud right now, especially like within the Democratic Party itself, and of course on the right, as we know, it's it's all out in the open. So. Where do you feel like you stand now as a, like a, you know, a participant in a, a, a political realm? Should we first put a disclaimer that these are our own personal views and not the views <laughs> of organizations? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. We should definitely preface that. <laughs> yes. This is not um, the uh, mission statement of Nakasek. Correct. Mm. <laughs> these are our own individual these are views. individualistic views. Um, and I'm merely stoking the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, after, you know, we literally lived in D.C. for like three months straight, trying to pass Dream Act, mm. trying to, you know, make help Democrats do their job. And what I realized is Republicans, Republicans are fucking racist. 
Democrats are fucking powerless. I don't believe in anything anymore. <laughs> so I don't have a party of preference. I, I just think they're all politicians. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. They're, I think they're all racist, but on different level. Republicans are more outspoken about their racism. Democrats are just as racist or sexist, but they just act like they're nicer than Republicans. So I don't believe in anything personally. Okay. Um, yeah, as, as a continuation of our previous conversation, I'm not sure what to call it, but I can say this, that the two-party system is absolutely broken. Mm-hmm. How can you consolidate all the nuanced views that could possibly, that one could possibly have and mm-hmm. just try to have it between two powers? Mm-hmm. It's just simply untenable because there will simply be no compromise between two parties. Mm-hmm. It's just win or lose. Exactly. And nobody mm-hmm. wants to lose. They will do anything within their power to retain that power of doing what is it, whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, well, and it's interesting because, like, even though we may not have party preference, we still want to build that kind of solidarity mm-hmm. amongst everybody to under one you know, common goal, which is very humanistic and very necessary. And it's beautiful that we're able to talk openly about this, you know, because I, I think that's lacking a lot. Mm. Just conversation about what needs to be done instead of placating to certain motives or our profits, you know, for me, especially, I I think I feel the same way. I'm constantly questioning like, my political beliefs because mm-hmm. it's just not worked mm-hmm. ever in, mm-hmm. in anyone's favor, it seems, except for a select few. And um, I'm more interested now in just meeting more people to connect with them and organize on that level. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much more personal, you know? And um, I mean, on, on the road, do you all feel like you, those connections are going to be, with withstanding because i mean with with me i definitely feel that way like after having met you guys i feel like i'm a better person you know because i i've learned so much but there are some people who just do it for the sake of of doing it you know it's it's interesting to see like that you have to rely on people to open themselves in that regard but what have you seen that you think that is going to like have a long lasting effect? Because I, I did see a video on Instagram of, um, of Yoada's school and you know, it was beautiful. Like, that was so cute. It was awesome seeing all these kids coming out there and, and it's just, it's amazing that that sort of thing can be filmed and captured and I can understand that without having to have any context around it. It's just, that's human solid. That's solidarity to me, you know, and that seems like something that is going to be like a long-lasting effect. I hope we have a fucking impact because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we better. They <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about our goddamn trauma every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we're talking about shit that has literally scarred us. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, uh, like feeling betrayed. By my own country and home. Um, having to go... I mean, this bike tour is beautiful, but there's this kind of poignancy to it in that we have to do such a beautiful tour across a really uh, diverse country. I mean, geographically speaking, is that we have to do it within the backdrop of immigrant rights mm-hmm. and citizenship for all. Like, I, I wish we could just do it for the sake of having fun, but... I mean, there goes the immediacy and the necessity uh-huh. of such a journey. Uh, and the duality, again. It's just, I feel like it's just this constant sort of, you know, placating between both of those things all the time. And, yeah, that's, that's very, that, it's very strong. I like that a lot because, I mean, you forget that, the backdrop is always there, you know, you, you, it's a constant reminder of why you're doing this, of why it's so important. 
Yeah, I don't want to have the identity of undocumented. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I love all y'all, but, <laughs> like, it kind of, it sucks that it has to be that way. But that, like, I'm so happy to know everybody here, you know? The fact that we're all here sharing this space and getting to know one another, is there is a beauty to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Everybody <laughs> seems to go come together under trauma. I don't know. We like traumatic events, it seems. We're very prone to them. And, and I mean, maybe that's why we like horror so much, too, as, a, as just people. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, something about it is so dangerous and so beautiful like you're saying and uh i'm glad that we can try and mediate between the both to to come to some sort of conclusion um i guess for closing remarks and stuff what what do you hope you will have achieved by the end of this what is your personal goal that you have set for yourself on this trip and how do you think you'll achieve it I don't know if there's anything objective that I would wish to attain. I mean, honestly, I'm just happy and feel so fortunate to be here at all. Because two months ago, I didn't know any of these folks. I didn't have this entire network of people that truly understand what it means to be undocumented at this point. Uh, that they share in a lot of the experiences and pains that I've suffered through. And the fact that we can all come together as affected people, as well as our allies, to, to fight for justice. So I guess in that respect, I'm just lucky. <laughs> mm. But also something I wish to achieve, uh, I, I hope that idea of impact. You know, I can't measure that necessarily, but I'm just hopeful that our stories truly reach people that we're not just heard but listened to by the end of this tour i hope that i have a nice butt and nice (laughs) biking 60 miles like climbing on 5,000. i can never forget that 5,000 feet elevation yeah we literally biked up two mountains (laughs) so that's one of them i hope to get out of this tour second is i hope I already feel very empowered to be able to find a means of transportation for myself, which is biking. Third, um, create a, I wanted to meet a lot of other people in different um, places. Like, so I have someone to hit, hit up if I visit Washington, you mm-hmm. know, if I visit Oregon, if I visit here. And fourth, in terms of this campaign, I just hope that people can... I don't even expect everyone to be on board with the idea of synergy for all, but I want people to start questioning themselves and see, look at the hashtag synergy for all and think, well, what does that mean? Like, why synergy for all? And I'm sure if there are decent human beings, they'll keep thinking about it and we need synergy for all because all human beings deserve the dignity and respect that they deserve solely and simply because they're human beings, not because they're bad immigrants, not because they're good immigrants, not because they're economically beneficial to society or whatever, but only because, simply because they're human beings. And on that note, I wanted to do a a shameless plug about our clothing project, which me, Bo, and some of my uh, impacted community members have founded. So it's called, it's short for Social Justice, Soju, which is also coincidentally um, Korean vodka. So it's Soju Clothing Project. What we try to do is we make shirts that you can wear. So you you don't have to, you know, keep hold, keep holding your posters or like keep create, trying to start a conversation. Your shirt is just there. You're making a statement. You're wearing a statement. Um, like I wear this to coffee shops and like I get upgrades and discounts. You just and people stare stare at my shirt and think think about oh what what does it why does that shirt say legalize human beings is it, does it so mean? that's one of yeah that's one of that's all, I like that shirt a lot honestly yeah, it's very so, cool so follow us on Instagram Facebook our handle is s o j u dot s p e a k w e a r soju dot speakwear like active wear okay sportswear we say it's speakwear because you're speaking without speaking. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so it'd be cool if you check us out. We're not only trying to make activism part of their lives, but really trying to create a community all across using Beautiful. social media. Nice. Oh, what I would like to get out by the end of this tour. Yes. <laughs> what you hope to achieve, maybe, and um, perhaps a personal goal. Uh, I just hope more people who are impacted by uh, the problem we're trying to address are empowered. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not necessarily to do something, not necessarily to like take action, but empowered to know that they're not the only ones out mm -hmm. there and that they don't need to feel any kind of guilt. All right. Well, uh, with that, then I oh, if you could please uh, plug um, the organization and uh, also uh, Dream Writers uh, Journey to Justice, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. At Nakasek. Um, I mean, yes. there are a lot of ways you could reach the the campaign and its okay. affiliates. Uh, so the organization is called Nakasek. It's N A K A S E C. Uh, notably on Instagram right now, and as well as Twitter, I believe, we're under just at Nakasek. So N-A-K-A-S-E-C. Uh, if you go on their website, you could also sign up for their newsletter. And right now, we have a specific webpage for our campaign. You could read bios about the three of us, as well as the other core writers. Uh, more about the some of the objectives of this mission the history of why we chose to do a bike tour, uh, the, the events that preceded this bike tour, as well as uh, a way to contribute and join the cause. Uh, I mean, there are many ways like to contribute to this journey. You could be a volunteer. You could ride your bike with us along our route, which you can also find on the website. But there's also a donation page, which is really cool and interesting. And I suggest everybody go check that out. It's at the top right-hand corner. So it's goldreamwriters.org. G-O-D-R-E-A-M-R-I-D-E-R.org. And for you millennials, if you go on Instagram, you can find us under the hashtags of dreamwriters2018. You know how to spell that. Synergy for all with the four is the number. Synergy for all. We also have Journey to Justice. The two is the number two. So if you look up those hashtags, you can probably see a lot of our um, photos and videos because each writer has their own Instagram page dedicated to this bike ride. Awesome. That was, um, well, this was a great conversation. I'm, I'm really glad to have uh, been able to give you guys some shelter for the night. Um, thank you. Uh, thank thank so you for much. coming. And uh, we'll see you listeners soon. Cheers.